All securities through Money Concepts Corporation, member FINRA SIPC. Sutherland Wealth Partners is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. And no opinions expressed in this podcast should be taken as a recommendation or advice. two of the weekend wind up it is june 29th 2018 my name's ray albertini and i'm here with craig sutherland once again and i hope uh, everybody enjoyed episode one we got some good responses good feedback so we're going to keep it rolling into this week this week we're going to talk about the lebron economy what does lebron james free agency what does his uh decision impact you know the local economies that he's going to go to is there a hidden index bubble? This stems from an article that I read on a website called The Motley Fool, which is a, just a market website. They have market commentary. And then we're also going to talk how you can change your brain to change your life. We operate in only part of our brain most of our lives, and we're going to talk about how you can expand your knowledge and use more of your brain capacity. So first, I want to get into it with the LeBron James free agency. This is probably the biggest sports news going on right now. I think first we'll just start with, so Craig, where do you think LeBron James goes? You know, that's a great question, and it's one that I have to ask myself, realistically, where do I think he wants to go? Or as a fan being from Akron, where do I want him to go or stay? You know, you can make a case for either leaving or staying because, you know, he obviously is still at the peak of his career performing at an unbelievable alpha level. But it comes down again, are they going to surround him with the people and the players and, and you know, the, the content that he needs to bring home another championship? And if not, you know, his shelf life is fairly limited, so where do you go? Personally, I'd love to see him stay because, again, he's an Akron kid and so am I, and, uh, but I also wouldn't blame him if he left. So bottom line, do you think he, do you think he stays at least? <laughs> I'm going to be a homer and say yes, I think he stays. I agree with you. I, I just don't think any, any team in the West really makes 100% sense. There's always going to be the risk that you know maybe someone else doesn't come and they're not able to compete with the Warriors yeah. immediately. And I think part of LeBron's legacy is the eight straight finals. Right. And I think if he goes West, that, that legacy has a bigger threat of not continuing, whereas if he stays in the East... I think it's a, almost a lock that he makes the finals every year. Yeah, clearly, if he stays in the East, that's his his path to the finals each and every year. But again, you know, LeBron's big notoriety. You know, you look at an LA or a place like that; it certainly has a lot of appeal. And so you could make a case either way. But again, I I just I hope he stays. Getting into more of the economic impact of LeBron James, I don't think we've ever seen someone who has. His, as much an impact on an economy that LeBron does. So I have a couple, just little statistics here um, about how he impacts the local economy. So I'll start with New York. Uh, The Knicks are kind of a, not in the front, front running for LeBron, but it's New York City. So we'll, we'll talk about it. New York would be estimated to have 
a positive impact of $1.7 billion over five years. New York would receive an increase in $1.2 million in tax revenue, and there'd be 12,000 new jobs created wow. just from LeBron going there. Los Angeles, probably the number tied at number one with Cleveland for his options, $396 million economic impact over five years. $29 million in tax revenue for the city of Los Angeles mm-hmm. and 3,000 new jobs created. Mm-hmm. Finally, Cleveland, little old, little old Cleveland we can't forget about. <laughs> $173 million in economic impact over five years, $9 million in tax revenue, and 1,500 new jobs created. Wow. Yeah. I think it's interesting to see, so we know personally just because we're in Ohio and we're Cleveland fans, you know, you go into downtown Cleveland and it's completely different now than it was five, six years ago when he left. Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers for Cleveland are extremely low in comparison to New York, but you have to scale it to size. And if Cleveland lost that economic boost that LeBron brings, where what do you think would happen to the downtown area and just Cleveland in general? Yeah, I mean that that's a great question, and uh, you already know my story. Yeah, the way that you hit a golf ball uh, to give you some scale. I grew up probably the way you hit it, two drivers and a pitching wedge from LeBron's house now in uh, Akron. I used to sled right in his backyard before he was even born. So <laughs> you know, I've seen not only Akron grow. Cause he he is an Akron guy. He's not a yeah. Cleveland guy, and that's people need to understand that. But when he announced that he was coming and or you know they picked him up with Cleveland and all the notoriety the the urban renewal of downtown Cleveland has been absolutely stunning over these years to see the economic impact of restaurants of bars of merchandise i mean it has just been amazing for downtown conversely when he left and went to Miami there was a significant drop off economically to the city mm-hmm. and you think about a city like LA you can absorb something like that if a major star leaves because it's such a big metroplex right, yeah. of, of sports and, and people with a smaller market like Cleveland and you have that big of a star leaving the impact is felt much more severely and so that is something that really you need to take a look at it and for Cleveland fans you better hope that he stays I think the amazing thing is, too, is, you know, if he goes to New York or L.A., I mean, I, I listed off some of the numbers, but I don't think you would see any difference. Mm. The, you know, the $1.7 billion or $396 million, it already is such a hustle and bustle in those cities. Right. An outsider coming in to maybe go see a Laker game or a Knicks game, you're not going to see any different than what you did five years ago right just because the cities already generate so much cash there's so much going on whereas with cleveland if you're coming from i don't know uh birmingham alabama to come watch lebron play you know it's your pilgrimage you're going to see a huge difference if you come now as compared to five years ago definitely i think that's really not that i don't think lebron takes that into immediate weighing of his options but i definitely think it's in the back of his head that he always will be a bigger factor in Cleveland and in Akron than he would be in Los Angeles or New York. Yeah, definitely. I, I think the, the bigger person would be Dan Gilbert. <laughs> and what, what he's willing to do and what he's willing to not only pay him, but you know surround him with to make sure that you know the economics support not only the team, but the city as well. Because 
that will have an adverse effect if, if he does leave. That's, that's just the bottom line. So it'll definitely be interesting. We're about 48 hours away from LeBron having to inform the Cavs if he's going to opt in and take his money or if he's going to uh, test the free agency market, which doesn't mean he's absolutely leaving. Sure. It just means he opts out of his contract. So, like I said, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with that. And, of course, I hope he stays, and so does Craig. But pivoting a little bit from sports, uh, we want to talk about passive versus active investing. So, Craig, why don't you give a little bit of a – recap of you know maybe from the housing collapse going forward Mm -hmm. how passive and active investing has changed and where the market started to trend to well it's interesting when for those listeners who who don't know the difference passive versus active passive investments would be more like indexing where it's a, a set of investments that you're not reshuffling think of it that way that you're constantly either putting money in or you buy and hold and it stays the same. And so you're riding with the market whether it goes up or riding with the market whether it goes down. Where active management, you're actually gonna be rotating investments inside of that portfolio based on current market conditions or opportunities. So passive investment works very well when the market is just continuing to go up like we've had from the bottom in 2009 until basically present. As long as you bought and held and the market just continued to chug up, there would really be no difference to do a lot of rotating. Mm -hmm. Whereas now, people are starting to see, hey, this bull cycle has gotten really long in the tooth. What comes next? Is this a time to maybe look for different opportunities and look for different asset classes? And this is where, you know, the thought is that active management now may be the way to view at least for a portion of your portfolio a strategy going forward. So... With passive investing, you know, if I t- if I take my money and I put, we're just using a hypothetical. I put a hundred thousand dollars into a index fund that's tracking the S and P five hundred. Mm-hmm. As an investor, maybe a retail investor, I've never invested before. I received a little bit of money and I put this in. I think, oh, I'm going to you know completely get what the S and P does, and it's going to be strictly tracked to that. But here's the thing with passive investing is your money isn't going into actual stocks, at least you think, but it has to go into something to be able to give you returns. Mm -hmm. So your money is going into the S&P 500 and what it's made up of. But like we talked about last week, these indexes aren't weighted equally. Correct. So the bulk of your money is actually going into... Uh, fang stocks most likely it's going to be facebook apple amazon netflix and google Mm -hmm. which are you know in the recent 10 years have been great companies Um, but this creates uh it creates an issue because what the money is doing is it's it's bulking up these companies and their price to earning ratios keep increasing and Mm -hmm. their stock price keeps increasing do you think it could eventually create a, uh, I don't know. I would. I don't know if I would call it a bubble, but could it eventually just get overblown? You know, there could be too much money pumped into these stocks, and the indexes just keep going up, but there's not the actual info to back it up. Yeah, I, I think that you, you need to understand in any investment, you need to understand what you own and why, and the effects not only in a good market, but the effects when a market does turn south, and and people need to be reminded of that. 
you know, for, for some of the younger people who have started investing in the last five, six, seven years, they've only seen one market, and that's a market that goes up. They don't realize that markets also can pivot and, and go down. So if you have things that are more leveraged or more overweighted in any investment, in a good market, if it's doing well, that's fine, but also understand when it does turn, it could also drop significantly or more quickly than, than you anticipated. When you say, when you say over leverage, um, why don't you explain what leveraging is? Oh, I wouldn't say, maybe I didn't use the term correctly when I said leverage. I should have said weightings since, since they're not weighted equally. So if something, let's say, uh, you know, in the S&P 500, we know that, let's say the top 10 companies hold a much more significant weight than the bottom 10 companies. So when those top 10 companies start turning down in a down market, it's going to have more of an amplification to the downside just for the fact that it's it holds a, a more powerful weighting against the, the, the lower level. Can, so I'm going to ask you a question that mm -hmm. kind of changes a little bit. Why do you think there's been such a push towards passive investing since 2008, 2009? Uh, I'll give a little stat. Since 2009... Passive investing has increased from 20% of all invested money to about 40%. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is? Personally, I think the fact that people are looking for a very inexpensive way to get exposure to good investments, and that's not a bad thing. And that works in markets with a caveat that the market continues to go up, 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 and up. So you don't need different advice. You don't need to be paying for rotating uh, to different investments. However, this is the caveat. Markets don't always go up, and I need to <laughs> impress that that on so many different people. Contrary to popular belief. <laughs> it, it is. And so, you know, there, there comes a time and a place for a particular strategy in your portfolio. But understand that when you go through what we've just gone through, it's okay, it's normal, and it's natural to have downward pressures on markets because it's just like the stair-step effect. If you have two up, you have to have one down. You can't keep going up, up, and up. That is what causes bubbles, and the bigger the bubble, you know, the, the louder the leak when they have to let the air out of it. So, in the last several years, that's why passive investments have done well. But it might be an opportunity now to look for more active investments and look for uh, management that can, you know, rotate, protect profit. Profit is not a dirty word, uh, and sometimes it's okay to take profit. Uh, it's nice to ride the market up, but you know, no one says you have to ride it back down. So why don't you explain how, what what different types of sectors an active investor might move between? How do they, you know, what what, what do they look at just in general to know when to change possibly? I, I think you, you, first of all, you have to go back and look at creating your own personal investment philosophy and strategy. Um, you know, once you have investments that get to a certain level of, of profit, you want to look at that and maybe take some off the table and look for different sectors to, you hear about sector rotation. You know, what you mentioned before as far as the FANG stocks, you've had a lot of technology stocks that have done very well um, for good reason. But the question is, at this stage going forward, is that the place that you feel has the best bang for your buck? A lot of sectors get, you know, oversold during conditions like we've had. Maybe that's an opportunity to start looking at them. So, you know, the whole key here to positive and successful investing is always looking for an opportunity because you're going to get them. And based on your personal philosophy, your, your buy and sell disciplines, 
you know, now may be a time to be looking to pick up some value in some other areas. So when we talk about personal philosophy and your strategy, there is an aspect to it that is emotional and your emotions tie to your brain functions. Mm -hmm. This is pivoting a little bit from, you know, technical market analysis into more how do we use our brain and how do we leverage our brain to really succeed in life mm -hmm. in general. So we had a meeting with one of our uh, investment partners yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, and he brought up a really interesting, I guess you could say, take on brain function. So as humans, he said we use the part of our brain that is considered our reptilian brain, it is the part that is your fight or flight. So, you know, if, you, if your adrenaline starts pumping, this is the part of your brain that's actually more towards your neck, um, towards your spine area. That's going to tell you, hey, do I need to pump my adrenaline up and fight or do I need to run away and stay for safety? Mm -hmm. So what he said is you actually use this about 95% of your life and it's about 95% of your brain capacity. He said then the other part is your cerebral cortex, which we use about 5% of, and that's more towards the front of your brain, towards your forehead. Mm -hmm. And what this is, is that's your, that's your analytical thinking, it's your data processing, it's your, all of your processes to find solutions to problems. People like Albert Einstein were able to use more, more of their cerebral, cerebral cortex than the average person. Mm -hmm. So the conversation we got into, and I think you can touch on this a little bit more, is how do you find a balance between those two parts of your brain to stop living in fear and stop being scared of always failing? Because we live most of our life scared of failure. Right. And you know, what are some things that you can do to stop living in this fear? Yeah, I mean, that, that is a great question and one that we've had long conversations about here at the office and you know, in team meetings and just personally. Uh, whether it be out on the golf course or, or just, you know, doing what we do. And that's the difference between the IQ and the EQ, uh, which is your intellectual quotient versus your emotional quotient. And to your point, this has a direct correlation to investing as well because people make decisions really based on emotion first, uh, which in some cases is okay, but in most cases that's probably not the best decision. Uh, reason being, people get emotional about their investing, sell at the wrong times, buy at the wrong times, and that's why their portfolios consistently underperform. So one of the techniques that we've talked about before in the past is how do you wire yourself or condition your brain to focus on things that are positive and that are going to get you in the right direction because that's going to actually activate a very constructive part of your brain to make the right decisions, not out of emotion, but out of connecting logic with your desired outcome outside of investing you know i think we live we live our lives in fear like we just talked about you know when we're maybe you're out at a restaurant and mm -hmm. you're not a you're not a very outgoing person how do you start to condition yourself to hey maybe you start a conversation outside of what you're just ordering with your waiter mm -hmm. you know where what kind of steps do you take to introduce yourself to someone you've never met before. Right. I, I think one of the, the key things you need to focus on is everything you do in life, you have to approach it that one, it's a learning experience. Two, it's okay to learn. It's okay to fail. It's okay to stub your toe. 
It's okay to feel awkward. Uh, it's okay sometimes to wear flip-flops with a suit, <laughs> you know, um, because people just don't have fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And they have to realize that when you live out of fear, it actually constricts you and keeps you and holds you from the things that you most desire and that actually are going to make you better. And if you're better in life, don't you think that the people around you are going to become better? Yes. So one of the things, like we talked about last week, is what do we focus on? Focus on things that you want instead of focusing on things that you don't want. When you focus on things that you don't want, that's a fear capturer, if you would. I don't want to be, like we talked about last week, I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to be broke. Uh, I don't want to be sad. You focus so much on those that that's what you become. Your thoughts, everything that you focus your attention and your ideas on is what you become. And that's the part of the brain that's going to be activating. It's actually your subconscious is going to be delivering that in every single thing that you do. So one of the techniques, again, is focusing on gratitude. Do a daily gratitude check. And two, give yourself permission to be happy. That's the hardest thing. You don't need validation or justification from anybody else. Choose each day. Put a sign on in your car. Put it on any on your mirror in the morning. Anywhere that you go, write it on your hand. I choose to be happy now. Those six words, I choose to be happy now. Your brain will activate in a way that is so powerful and it'll actually change physically how you feel, how you walk, how you talk, and how you interact. And it eventually will become habitual. You won't even have to think, I need to be happy now. You'll just be happy because you'll be practicing these happy thoughts and it it sounds cheesy if you if you never heard or have never thought like this before but if you can sit there when you're driving in your car and think wow you know the sun is shining i have my health i'm driving in a car to my job i'm happy and life is good or even if on the flip side maybe you just got laid off from your job and things aren't going well you just got divorced or your girlfriend just broke up with you boyfriend just broke up with you if you can focus on what you have, you still have your health, mm-hmm. you have your family, you have your friends, you have your knowledge. Right. It's it's really just appreciating what you have in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. And I, like we've said before, not focusing on, oh, well, this person's out on vacation in Aruba. Right. But guess right. what? You know, you're going to – that trip to Aruba is going to give you happiness for X amount of time. Yeah. But that trip to Aruba isn't tangible happiness. Right. This one, one of the crazy things about social media, like Facebook, for instance, you go on and it, it's there to share information, to share what you're doing, but it can actually depress people because they're seeing yeah. other people in Aruba, you see people playing golf, you see people at nice restaurants, and you're seeing yourself not there. And instead of feeling that way, one of the things when I say practice gratitude, for all your friends or people that you see that and you see a picture, say you're grateful for them, wish them well, pray for them and say, hey, I hope they're having a great time. You know, those are ways that you can mentally condition yourself. And I think I told you this before, uh, you know, when I went through my business coaching, one of my mentors actually was part of the book and the movie, The Secret, which is the law of attraction. It's the things that you put out into the world are the things that you come back. So your thoughts, the vibration that you put out there, like does attract like. So if you're constantly, even subconsciously living in a place where you're feeling negative, you're feeling jealous, that's what you're going to attract. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little technique called flip switching where, you know, when you get in those modes where you feel like that, do the exact opposite. Be grateful. Put those things out. Let your brain activate to the creative side and the thing that's going to give you the most energy. And your life is going to be exponentially better. 
I think this is something too that people have to understand. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. This is something that you do have to work at, and it's something that you have to hold yourself accountable to. Right. Because if you if you try it one time and then never do it again, it's not going to have an impact on right. your life. You have to do this every time that you you feel off. You know, you have to think to yourself, "I'm happy, and I want to be happy." And guess what? When you start feeling happy, you start telling yourself you want to be happy. Good things are going to come to you. Mm-hmm. It's you don't have to go out and search for the, ne- the next good thing to come your way or the next thing that you want. It's going to come to you and you're not going to realize it until it's already come to you. And it's, you know, two weeks later you say, Oh wow, you know, this, this event happened and I actually appreciated that. And I've wanted that to happen for a long time. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a dinner with someone that you wanted to get and you realize it happened. Right. And you look back on it and you can understand that the actions that you took prior to that event happening all led you sure. to that event. Yeah, it's like a magnet. Everything you put out there is attracting something. And so if you just know that key concept, that once you find out and, and you check yourself that, hey, I'm not feeling good today or I'm really sending out a bad vibe, it, it's very clear, well, no wonder all these bad people around me or these negativity. Just change it, be present to it. But you know, even things like when I'm in the car, it's hilarious. A lot of times I'll turn off the radio and I just I give speeches because I you know I just yeah. like talking. Yeah. I, I like this part of the conversation yeah. more than anything, as you know. And I'll be at a, at a red light with my windows up, and I'm you know, my hands are flailing, and I'm talking, <laughs> and I'll look over at the person next to me, and they look at me like I'm from Mars. Like, what yeah. is that person doing? And they laugh. You know, at yeah. least I brought joy to some stranger yeah. who sees some strange guy waving his hands. Yeah. But, you know, to me that brings me joy and it brings me happiness and keeps me focused. I think the last part maybe to touch on with this is don't be afraid to tell someone that you're happy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in life who don't understand this secret is they just they go through their life and they're mad. They're all ticked off and they bring other people around them down. Right. And if you know, don't let other people who are mad and don't want to be happy bring you down or don't let other people who aren't achieving what they want to achieve stop you from achieving what you want to achieve whether right. it be starting to save for a house starting to save for retirement you know just because maybe you've put it off a little bit it's always okay to start right because that's that's the first step yeah and you think about you gave a great statistic earlier about only using 5% of the most creative the most amazing part of the brain just imagine how awesome you are sitting right here in front of me and having this great conversation. Think of the awesomeness of these people listening to this podcast, and they're only using 5%. If you're awesome at 5%, imagine if you just changed a little bit and you increased your brain capacity from 5 to 7%, 5 to 10%. Your life would be, forget about like going from 5 to 100. You're not going to do that, but a couple percent more of letting loose of your creative nature and the happiness in your life, it will be amazing. So again, it doesn't take big giant moves. It takes little tweaks each day. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a process, lean into that process, choose to be happy and just start using some of these techniques. And I think, you know, physically you're gonna feel better, you're gonna walk better, you're gonna eat better, you'll sleep better, you're gonna enjoy a more bountiful life. I think we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, We hope everybody enjoyed this week we'll be back again next week on next friday uh it'll be after fourth of july so i'm sure we'll have some interesting stories to talk about and once again you know if you ever want to get in touch with us feel free to reach out to us on twitter 
or Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, we'd love to talk about the podcast, maybe hear some of your thoughts and what you'd want to hear us talk about. So have a good day, everyone. All securities through Money Concepts Corporation, member FINRA SIPC. Sutherland Wealth Partners is an independent firm not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. And no opinions expressed in this podcast should be taken as a recommendation or advice.